Attention Northwest Arkansas businesses and talent seekers. Introducing Onboard NWA.com, your hyperlocal job board crafted for our unique community. Struggling to find the perfect match for your job openings? Onboard NWA simplifies the hiring process, connecting you with the region's top talent through tailored talent matching solutions. Whether you're an employer seeking expertise or a professional looking for your next opportunity, Onboard NWA is here for you. Discover more at onboardnwa.com and let's build the future of Northwest Arkansas together. Hello, Northwest Arkansas. Randy here, bringing you a quick word from our sponsor, Signature Bank of Arkansas. Since 2005, Signature Bank has been all about empowering our community with local ownership and top-notch banking services. Signature Bank's roots run deep with assets over a billion dollars, and they're right here in your backyard with branches in Bentonville, Rogers, Springdale, Fayetteville, and now including Harrison and Jonesboro. With a growing family of more than 200 teammates, they're ready to serve you with the warmth only a true community bank can offer. And they've got Banco C, the first bilingual bank in Arkansas, to ensure that banking is for everyone. So give Signature Bank a call at 479-684-3700 or visit Signature.Bank online. Mention you heard about them on the I Am Northwest Arkansas podcast for that personal touch. Signature Bank of Arkansas, big on assets, local at heart, and a proud member of the FDIC and an equal housing lender. It's time for another episode of I Am Northwest Arkansas, the podcast covering the intersection of business, culture, entrepreneurship, and life in general here in the Ozarks. Whether you are considering a move to this area or trying to learn more about the place you call home, we've got something special for you. Here's our host, Randy Wilburn. Hey folks, and welcome to another episode of I Am Northwest Arkansas. I'm your host, Randy Wilburn, and I'm excited to be here today. I am a kid at heart. For those of you that don't know me personally, those that know me know that I'm a kid at heart, but I'm actually sitting here in the bowels of the Scott's Family Amazium in a, in a really cool looking conference room with a, a very interesting gentleman that I asked to come on the show. And for those of you that know that I, I'm constantly out there looking for you know, interesting people to have on the show. And the Scott's Family Amazium, after I had done Crystal Bridges, I really wanted to have somebody that represented them to come on the podcast and share with our audience, you know, with all of you guys, you know, what the Scott's Family Amazium is all about and, and why they would stick such a fabulous museum for children. And, uh, you know, it's more than a museum because when you think of a museum, you can't touch anything, but you can touch everything here. And that's the beauty of it. But without further ado, I want to 
introduce my audience here at, at I Am Northwest Arkansas to Joel Gordon. And Joel is the making and tinkering manager of Scott's Family Amazing. Joel, how are you? I'm good, man. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. It's exciting. <laughs> so, you know, of course, we always banter about and have some conversation before the conversation. So I'm glad I had a chance to kind of catch up and find out a little bit about your interesting story. But I'd love for you just to share with our audience a little bit of your superhero origin story. And your oh, wow. So. Well, when I came from my planet, uh, no, <laughs> um, I, I grew up in, uh, in North Little Rock in Scott, Arkansas, sure. which is right outside of North Little Rock. My family uh, had, had a great family, but we grew up Poe. Are you familiar with this term? Yes. Yeah. Yes. So yes. that's when you those, can't afford the OR. That's exactly right. <laughs> that's exactly right. So we were we were kind of that family. My brother uh, is now a doctor. He lives in Orlando. We we were just visiting, and we always end up reminiscing. And and you know it was one of those things that when we were a kid, we were kids. We didn't have friends at the house a lot because we didn't know if the electricity would be on or not. Oh you know, man, it was kind of that situation. I got you. But I had, you know, my mom was incredibly supportive and, you know, I had very smart parents. Obviously, you know, my brother's a doctor. My sister's uh, head of a nursing department in Dallas. So everybody's in medicine that I, you know, my my siblings. And then I came along and uh, I'm the uh, black sheep, I guess. I, don't know. <laughs> I was always interested in particularly movies. I was anything I could escape with. So I always like to put my cards on the table. So I am, I am dyslexic okay. uh, extremely. Yep. I've learned to cope with it over the years, so I'm, I'm real good with that. But uh, when I was in elementary school, it was kind of a struggle. Uh, so I was not your typical student. I didn't do really well in my classes, but I had some really supportive teachers, uh, some really amazing folks in my life, and uh, got some, some very lucky opportunities. But I, you know, like I said, movies were always my escape. So when I was growing up, I, I thought, you know, I, I like this idea of movies. And I wonder how you can get to work in movies and do that kind of thing. So I started doing theater in high school. I was at Northeast High School and had an incredible theater program and uh, some really, really fabulous teachers there, Carol Davis. And uh, uh, anyway, but that was kind of my introduction to what a career might be. Mm -hmm. But I was also a big nerd. So it was about computers and electronics and I like building things. So I was super into, this is all, for those of you out there who don't know, this is all pre-internet. So uh, back in those days, we just absorbed magazines. So I was really into things like Fangoria magazine, <laughs> you know, and I watched these guys who would build monsters for movies. So I learned about automation and, and creating, you know, interesting things with electronics and that kind of thing. So I was always taking things apart, putting it together and I was good at it. Man. So right out of high school into the Air Force became an electronics communication specialist, uh, found out I was smarter than I thought I was. And uh, yeah, then on to college. So I uh, got to college, thought I wanted to be, I'm, I'm totally running you through the quick. No, that's my, fine. My life. That's fine. Got to college, thought I wanted to be a um, uh, history teacher. And at that time I was in Alaska. I was living in Alaska. So I went to uh, University of Alaska Anchorage and uh, had a really smart professor who said that you will never be a history teacher. You need to figure something else out. <laughs> he was absolutely right. And then I discovered that, you know, that love for theater again. Yeah. And I thought, oh, I'll, I'll try it. But then I, you know, I was very into technical theater and that kind of thing. So, yeah, I ended up doing that. I went to school for technical theater, got to Moved to Los Angeles for a little while, lived in New York for a little while, lived in Chicago for a long time. I worked for Chicago Scenic Studios and then I had my own little company for a while with a couple of business partners and 
life happened on and on and on. I wound up back in Arkansas where I thought I would never, ever be again. And I was actually back here taking care of my mom for a little while. She'd had some surgery done. And, and at that time I was working in film and, you know, you make all your money at one time and then you get lazy. Yeah. And I was in my lazy phase and taking care of mom. And then the SAG strike happened, big sure. SAG strike. So Screen Actors Guild shut down. And I thought, man, I'm going to have to get some work and figure something out. And out of the blue, I got a phone call from Nan Sells, who was the executive director of the Museum of Discovery quite a few years ago. And she'd gotten my name from somebody and they had a big children's play area that they were working on. And I'd done a lot of work with the Art Institute in Chicago and, and Museum of Science and Industry. And she said, I want you to take a look at this. So I did it. I wound up redesigning, building this almost 5,000 square foot children's play area, young, young kids, and lo absolutely loved it. Had never done really been that involved in anything like that. Right. It was awesome. Yeah. I was just, oh, I love this. And I'd always kind of thought I wanted to be a teacher at heart. You know, I thought about history and all that. And, and, I, and suddenly I was discovering informal education and what that meant. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I think, you know, this might be a place for me. And out of the blue, I finished the project and, and uh, my wife and I were taking a vacation uh, going to Costa Rica. And just before we left on our trip, Nan Sells offered me a job as a director at the museum. Wow. So we got down to Costa Rica had, at, our, our, at that time, I think my daughter, my youngest was maybe eight months old. And I talked to my wife about it and I said, uh, you know, I, they offered me this job and she goes, well, I, I think you should do it. She, she actually come down from Chicago, like not long before this right. and quit her job and we were taking a break and she said, I, I think you should do it. And I, I said, all right, well, I'll do it for a year. So anyway, eight years later, <laughs> you know, I mean, I was really into it. That's in, so that's how I actually met Sam Dean, who's the executive director here. Right. Working at Museum Discovery, I was the director of visitor experience. And the first tinkering hub in the state was at Museum of Discovery. So I got to work on the development of that and work with Sam and another young lady named Diana Bones, who was, they were both with the Exploratorium in San Francisco. So just, you know, kept meeting fabulous people. Yeah. And falling more and more in love with it. And we established uh, all of these fantastic tinkering hubs and, and uh, you know, things as things go, I, you know, we grow in, in directions. And, and the one thing that I was concerned with is that I saw that we were really losing kids around age 10. And for me, around 10 is when I was really at a kind of a turning point in my life. You mm -hmm. know, I was trying to figure myself out and what my place was. And I didn't know if, frankly, I was an idiot or a <laughs> genius or, uh, or, you know, can I just live a life? And what am I going to do? And I can't, you know, I was struggling with school. And it just was really important to me that we caught that. And, you know, cognitively around 10 and 11, kids are really forming their frontal lobes. So that's when you really discover who you are, you yeah. know, what your personality is. Right. So I wanted to, I wanted to get that. And I'd been involved in this thing called the maker movement for at that time, about eight years and 10 years. And I wanted to create opportunities for those kids who needed to learn with their hands. Yeah. And hands on museums are incredible, but you know, there's, there's that thing of, and I always describe it this way. Uh, museums and libraries are kind of like the two columns that hold up 
society yes. in a way. You know, so you, you come to a museum and you become inspired. So museums are inspiration. And then you go to, well, back in our day, you know, my day, uh, I won't put you in my old category, <laughs> but, uh, you know, back in my day, you went to the library and the library was information. So you become inspired. You get that inspiration at a museum and you walk out of that museum. You walk out of Crystal Bridges and you want to be an artist. You, you walk out of Adler Planetarium in Chicago. You want to be an astronaut, you know, whatever it is. You get that inspiration, and the next thing you do is you want to learn everything you can about that. Yeah. So you seek information. And back in my day, you know, I had I had these theater wonderful theater classes where I could build and create and use my imagination. I had there were shop classes, there were these things that were going on. And at that time, we'd kind of lost that. And I really wanted to start creating that opportunity for kids. So I had an idea of creating a makerspace. Mm -hmm. And there were these wonderful people in Argenta in North Little Rock where I grew up. Right. And first guy I met was this incredible dude named John Godan. And uh, John is kind of the fairy godfather of Argenta. He's <laughs> amazing. I met Warwick Saban, state legislator later at the time, the uh, mayor of North Little Rock, Joe Smith. I mean, all of these just in there, I, I could go on to be like a, an Oscar speech where everybody's going to do the whole list of names. It's right. just an incredible group of people. But I ended up going to them and saying, hey, I think I want to I want to create a makerspace. And they were like, well, tell us about it. So I started talking to them about it, told them what it is. And they were like, cool. Why don't you walk across the street with us? We've got this building over here. And we're looking at some, trying to figure out something to put in it. So at that time, they were working on this idea of an Arkansas Innovation Hub. Mm-hmm. But it was kind of a piecemeal thing. So the building itself was sort of the hub. And then they were going to put things in it. So at that time, credible woman, Holly Lewis, who uh, ran a, a program called Art Connection, was in the building. And I wanted to create something at that time we called the Launchpad. So it was going to be the Launchpad Makerspace. And I had about 6,000 square feet. So signed up, got my 501c3. We started working on that, really started to develop it. And it just took off. And people looked at the model and, and you know, at some point along the way, we didn't want it to be, you know, the art thing over here and the maker thing over here and an entrepreneurial thing over here because we started to see how there was a nexus and everything fit together. So it became the Arkansas Regional Innovation Hub. And about a year into it, crazy thing happened. This wonderful guy, Dale Doherty, who's actually going to be our keynote speaker at this Maker Summit that we're doing on the 30th of January. I, I went to San Mateo, California, met him at Maker Fair. I got introduced to a few other people, and then I got asked to speak at a conference in New York and went and spoke and uh, got off the stage, was standing in the hall, you know, walking through the uh, New York Hall of Science is where we did it. I'm walking through this hallway, and this really nice young lady walks up to me, and she goes, hey, I just heard you speak, and she said, I really enjoyed it, and she handed me your business card, and her name's Stephanie Santosa. I looked at her card, and it said White House, and I went, oh. You know, that <laughs> sounds important. So uh, anyway, so I met her and she, she, uh, I told her I was from Arkansas. She was like, that's crazy. So I got asked to be on a uh, panel at the White House and we started developing something that is now called the Nation of Makers. The hub in all of the process of all of this, we, in partnership with uh, some wonderful folks, Chris Massengill from uh, Delta Regional Authority and U.S. Economic Development, we, we, astoundingly received a million dollar grant from U.S. Economic Development 
and it just grew from there. And uh, so I, I did that for, for years. I became the executive director. The, uh, the hub, the innovation hub is now under uh, Winrock International, which is incredible. And I had to slow down. So mm-hmm. I temporarily retired. Um, there's <laughs> You're a, too young to be retiring, uh, but that's a whole other story. Well, so. but I took a break. Okay. You know, and a uh, wonderful guy came in, Chris, uh, Dr. Chris Jones. I like to, I, I, I love to brag about Chris Jones. He's a super nice guy, very, very smart. But I like to brag that when I left, they replaced me with an MIT PhD. So, <laughs> you know, what, big shoes. Read, to fill. read into it while yeah, you Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, no, he's, he's incredible. And they're still doing wonderful things. And, and uh, I spent a couple of years consulting. And out of the blue, Sam Dean, wonder, the wonderful Sam Dean, called me and said, Hey, we're going to San Francisco and we're going to meet a, a bunch of folks. We're taking a group from up here. And do you want to go and, and help us kind of meet some people? And I said, Sure. You know, so uh, uh, we went and we had a wonderful time. And I got to meet a bunch of old friends in San Francisco and got to meet a bunch of new friends from here. And out of the blue, he just goes, You know what? You should just move to Northwest Arkansas. And I went, I'm starting to think you're right. Yeah. So that is it. That's my that's entire it. life story. And that's all I got. And, and Man. thanks for joining us, folks. <sighs> yeah, exactly. I love that. I love that. Well, there's so many things to unpack here. I, I just want to unpack a couple of things just because I think that, you know, certainly I know there's a lot of different people in, in this audience that, that, that come from all walks of life. The dyslexia thing certainly resonates with me because my oldest son has dyslexia mm-hmm. and he has, he has, he's actually done pretty well with it. And then when when we started learning more about it, we realized that, you know, one in five children have dyslexia. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's the real deal. How much did your dyslexia inform how you, you know, you, you were able to gravitate towards this type of work and what you're doing and, and also the programs that you've created? Yeah. I, you know, here, the thing was, is that like, and, and I really stress this a lot. Because, and this is one of those things that I, I will stand up on a soapbox and pound my fist. And so, because I didn't necessarily do well in a lot of classes, I didn't get to apply myself to other things because we evaluate kids for the most part on what's your GPA. Right. And so, there were classes that I probably would have excelled in that I didn't even qualify to step inside the door. Mm-hmm. And it really, for me, it really wasn't until I, I discovered theater in high school and started doing things and became creative and could use these skills that I'd kind of developed on my own. And my, my grandfather, my dad was a, a carpenter and a maker. He, he didn't like being a carpenter, but he was really good at it. So I learned a lot of good things. My grandfather was a furniture maker. Right? So I had, had a lot of that experience in my life. And we had a farm, family farm in Scott that, you know, if something fell off the tractor, you welded it back on. You right. Know, it's just how you do it. And so I had all these skills that I'd learned, but all the way through high school, I really didn't get to have the, the big opportunities and because that was kind of reserved for that 10% of kids that, you know, were making the grade. Yeah. But when I was in high school, we had a chance to take the ASVAB test. You know what that is? Arms, for those who don't know, Armed Services Vocational Aptitude Battery. I had no one in my family who had ever been in the military, so I had no, I, you know, but here's what it came down to. If you took the ASVAB exam at school, you got out of class for a day. 
So that was, I was like, I'm out, I'm doing it, you know? So I didn't know if this was going to be something that I would just go in and blow off or, you know, I was just like, let's get me out of class. I don't care. And I went into it and it started asking me questions about things that I was really interested in. And so long story short, I took this exam and I actually scored in the top 5% in the nation. So I got recruited from everywhere. I was terrified. I had like guys in uniform just showing up at my parents' apartment and uh, it was insane, you mm. know, and the Navy offered me a full ride to Annapolis. I didn't know what Annapolis was. Right, right. I had right. no idea. But what all I knew was this. I'd never been in the military. I knew that they had guns and things like that. And I wasn't sure that that was my jam. And then the Navy said, yeah, we want to send you to college and we'll pay for it. And it's going to be four years of college and four years in the Navy. And did it. so I did the math and I went, oh my gosh, by the time I get out, I'll be 27 years old. Cause I was, you know, 16 at the time. Right. Right. And I just went, I'll be so old, <laughs> you know? So I went, yeah, you know, I'm going to look into this and it's probably a good idea because it pays for college. So I ended up joining the Air Force because I read that that was where I was least likely to ever touch a gun. Exactly. <laughs> and so I went into it and then immediately got put in a combat communications unit. But I learned so much. I got to go to tech school and really dig into electronics. And it was an amazing experience for a kid who had no discipline. And, you know, I don't recommend it for everybody. Yeah. But it was really good for me. And it gave me a lot of focus. And really showed me that I was smarter than I thought I was. Yeah. So, but that's, that's kind of my point. It's, it's a lot of kids, even today, a lot of kids don't get opportunities. If Albert Einstein were in, you know, a lot of the school systems around the U.S. today, he'd fail out. Yeah, absolutely. You know, because he's, he was good at one thing, you know, and we don't celebrate people being incredibly good at one thing until they're grown up. Right. You know, and then suddenly, well, he's an artist or she is a, engineer but you know if you if you don't have the chops you know across the board then you know it's it's a tough thing it is it is it definitely is i mean it's one of the reasons why i actually got all three of my kids are now enrolled in the arkansas arts academy and um, they are getting so much so much of a well-rounded education and i mean even just my nine-year-old he's he's playing the ukulele. I mean, he's even playing it yeah. his head now. I mean, he didn't, he didn't play any instruments before he entered school in right. September. Now he's playing the ukulele, the guitar, the piano. And music I mean, is math. I mean, it is. I mean, and he's actually brilliant at math. And yeah. so, you know, and it's, I just, you know, I think that's really interesting. I know there's parents out there that are listening to this that, you know, maybe have a, a dyslexic child. And sometimes I think a lot of kids that have dyslexia, they flounder in, in mm. normal environments, normal school environments. And it's tough. I mean, I think people need to be reminded, and, I, and, I'll, and I'll get off my soapbox after this, but you know, as I was telling somebody the other day, I mean, so many brilliant people, men and women, you know, have dyslexia right. and, and are, are able to achieve and do things at a high level. Mm-hmm. You know, I think of Steve Jobs. I think of Warren Buffett. A lot of people don't realize he's dyslexic. Oh, yeah, severely. You know? I mean, just like, yeah, severely. And who, who's my other? Uh, Bill Gates. Right. I mean, there's just a number of people that have, oh, Richard, Sir Richard Branson. Uh, that's right. Yeah. And that's I right. mean, and you know, the, the story I always tell about him is that, you know, he, that's the re- one reason why he journals all the time. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, when he, when he was discovered to have dyslexia back in the 60s, they didn't really have a language for it. So his, oh, his, I didn't either. I mean, yeah. when I was growing up, yeah, it, it, we hadn't invented it yet. Yeah, exactly. You know? <laughs> exactly. And so his coping mechanism was just to write everything down. Yeah. I journaled, I wrote poetry. I did, you know, I would, the way I started 
you, you know, really developing coping mechanisms is that I would read and then write everything that I was reading. Right. And my particular kind of dyslexia, like I'll, my brain gets ahead of what I'm reading. Mm-hmm. So I'll, you know, I'll read a sentence and it will say, you know, the girl went down the hill, but my brain will go, the gorilla went down the hill. Yeah. And I have to sort of stop and go, well, that doesn't make any sense. Exactly. Go back. Yeah. But, you know, you train your brain and, and you get past it. Yeah. And um, yeah. I was probably about 14 when I really was like good with it. Yeah. 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 But yeah, you know, it's, it's that kind of thing. But yeah, ha- having those, those creative outlets. And that's, that's another reason I really love what's happening in North- Northwest Arkansas. And we've got, you know, the School of Innovation. My youngest was at Old High, and that's just an incredible program. She's at Washington now. Sure. I really believe in public education. So I'm I really, really, you know, but we're lucky to have really good schools here. We have Thaden. We have the, your, the new school. The new school. I mean, I could go yeah, on and yeah, on. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's uh, my, my wife, her business is still down in Little Rock. So I'm, I am a Arkansas by coastal commuter <laughs> but uh so we go back and forth but you know we we put my my oldest daughter just got married so she's she's a, an adult and and very responsible and I'm very lucky but our youngest you know, she'll be 13 soon yeah so for her I wanted to get her up here because the opportunity for education up here is stellar it is and, it and is. I, I meet wonderful teachers we have just incredible infrastructure it's a great town yeah, it's a great town. It's a great area. It's a great region. And anybody listening to this that's thinking about relocating here, whether you're coming to work for one of the big three or just coming to this area to go to school to U of A, and you've got children of, of school age, there's a lot of opportunities. I mean, my wife had a chance to visit so many different schools when she came here on her fact-finding mission before we moved here because I had to get her approval because mm-hmm. I come from a household where if mama's not happy, yes. nobody's happy. Yes. And uh, so we had to get her approval first and we got it, but but that was only after doing a lot of research and, and visiting. I think she mm-hmm. visited like five schools when she came here for a week to spend uh, in Northwest Arkansas. So certainly there's plenty of opportunities here. Absolutely. Uh, so why don't you tell, I'd love for you just to kind of tell the audience, give them a glimpse into, because to me, the Scott's Family Amazing feels like just a big playground. I've, I, I told you I've been here yeah. several times with my kids early on when it first opened, and I, I, it just seems like it has expanded. Mm-hmm. And I haven't been able to keep up, but I'd love for you just to kind of give our audience just a glimpse into what oh, this place yeah, is like. And, and, you know, I'll start out by saying how lucky we are to have it. You yeah. Know? It's, it's just an incredible facility. And, you know, what I was saying before about museums being inspiration, libraries being information, you know, in a lot of cases, you know, it's about the internet today, but we still have these great library systems that are here that are these physical spaces where people can meet. So the fact that we have so much infrastructure in this region, but the, the amazium, you know, it's, there's this foundation of play in learning. Yeah. And we have to allow kids to play and discover and explore. And a lot of the philosophy here at the Amazium is built around this idea of tinkering. And tinkering is just open-ended exploration of tools and materials, life, you know? Yeah. And so you get to come in and try things and dig into things. And we would often... <laughs> have parents still to this day when we when we're doing activities they'll have parents come in and go oh well you know are they using scissors and i'm like yeah absolutely they're gonna use scissors and here's screwdrivers and a hammer and a nail and we're gonna we're gonna use tools we're gonna use all these things so for us a lot of it is about authenticity we would rather 
introduce kids to the idea of using real tools in a real way in a safe manner and get that idea instilled in them, Mm -hmm. then here's a plastic thing and here's a foam thing and you won't hurt yourself on this. And we all bump and we bruise and that's okay because you get up and you walk and you learn from it. That's what iodine and band-aids are. That's exactly right. We have real tools and real band-aids. Exactly. but but you know we have we also have really well trained staff so yeah. they're they're always on top of it but we have we have you know all of these these permanent exhibits that are in place that are are great to explore and to you know use your imagination and get your hands in the middle of things mm-hmm. and just have a wonderful time and it's about developing the aha moment where you watch kids doing something and you see it when it clicks and they go, aha, I get this. And that's really what we're all about, whether it's our, our permanent exhibit installations in the space, mm-hmm. or it's the Tinkering Studio or Hershey Lab, or I mean, any of it, yeah. any of it. It's about creating that opportunity to, for discovery and exploration. And how often are they rotating out exhibits? As much as possible. Really? Yeah. Okay. I mean, well, you know, typically like our traveling exhibit right now, we have Thomas the Train this oh, year. Okay. Yeah, right. you should you should check it out. Okay. But uh typically um traveling exhibits are about every three months. Okay. We have the things that are sort of our anchor exhibits that really never change, but they're all of those exhibits tend to be imagination stations. You know, they're they're places where you can go and use your own imagination to create your own Sure. Adventures. Yeah, know? yeah, absolutely. And then we have uh, with Hershey and the 3M Tinkering Hub. And right now we're developing our workshop space. And I can talk a little bit about that later. But we have, you know, all of these wonderful opportunities to sort of come in and explore. And they're changing all the time. You know, in, in the 3M Tinkering Hub, we have a new activity every week. Okay. And okay. typically the same thing in the Hershey Lab. Yeah. So those things are always changing, always moving. And then our workshops and our classes and our field trips and, you know, everything's always changing. But we, we have we have bigger vision, you know, because our, our audience is growing and, you know, ideas change. You you can't you can't dwell on on the one thing, you know, you have to always grow with the needs of the community. Right. So we have new ideas that are happening. You know, our, our, our uh, visitors are getting older, you know, when we have kids that came here when they were five and here it is, you know, four years later and now they're nine. Right. We have kids who are seven and they're, you know, about to be 11. And there's that 10 year old thing that I was talking about before. So we want to, we want to create more opportunities for those kids. Yeah. No, absolutely. So right now we're working on where the tinkering hub has been. Our daily activities for the 3M Tinkering Hub have moved into Showcase, which is right in front of where people have typically seen the hub. And that room that has always been the 3M Tinkering Hub is now going to be the workshop. Sure. And that's going to be a makerspace in our building. So we're developing that now. It's kind of, we're kind of being slow and organic about it. But, you know, a big part of what we do is we support teachers who are developing, making opportunities for kids at their schools. And we have these incredible programs here that our education department are, are, you know, working directly with schools and and the districts and helping them create those opportunities there. So the workshop is going going to sort of be our example of what, you know, we, we'd love to help everybody build. And, uh, you know, we're really excited about that, but then that's going to give us an opportunity to work with those kids that are maybe getting a little older who are looking for something else. What's the next thing? 
Absolutely. You know. Yeah. No, I love that. So, why? Wow, so you guys have obviously a lot on your plate, and, and and you're serving the needs of all the schools in this area. Do do you find like I know when I, I visit with Crystal Bridges, I mean they have students that come from Texas to come visit. Oh yeah. But are you having kids come from other states oh, to come here? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Um, okay. Missouri, of course, a lot. Yeah, right. But right, I've right. seen kids who've come from Dallas. Yeah. I've seen. And then, of course, in the summer and holidays, you know, it's crazy. The uh, one of the big kicks I get is because I've I've had in my career an opportunity to really go around the world. I love hearing languages, mm-hmm. so I've I've started keeping tabs of all the languages that I've heard spoken, and there've been a few that I've had to kind of ask, right? You know, it's like I know that's uh, I some know that, dialect, but, what is but I don't yeah. know what it is. Um, <laughs> but uh, and I I I speak really bad French, okay. so. But I love it when I hear French and I get to, you know, parlay a bit. A bit, and, yeah. Uh, yeah. And yeah, so we, you know, I, I mean, it's everything. It's, it's German. It's Russian. It's Russian is one I recognize from living in Alaska as long as I did. And I, you know, I just, I hear Dutch. I hear Chinese, Japanese, you know, uh, I've heard Farsi just on and on and on. You that's, know? And, that's awesome. But that's, I think that's also a reflection of Bentonville. You know, it's become it a very international and people don't realize it. Like I say, and I mean, again, when, when I look at, I mean, it's almost like a, you guys are like a one-two punch when you think of the Scott's Family Amazium and then Crystal Bridges. It's like, oh, yeah. I mean, you've got some, you know, one, some, one of the best collections of art in this country. Oh, it's amazing. Right there. I mean, like a stone's throw from here. And, and, and for those of you that don't know or you're not from this area, the Scott's Family Amazium and Crystal Bridges are basically right next to each other. So they almost share the same you know, tract of land, if you will. And, and I, I forget what it is, but I, I want to say it's at least 270 plus acres. I have. Yeah. It's, no it's, idea. it's a lot. It's I a love lot. mountain yeah. biking though. Yeah. And I've, I've <laughs> been all over those trails and yeah. it just goes on and on and on. Yeah, actually. And, and the nice thing is that's, it's a, it's easy access from the highway to get here. I mean, there are just, there's just so many benefits oh, to yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, there really are. So, you know, before we close out, I'd love to know, just a, just give me a, a, just a little taste of what this Maker Summit is all about. Okay. So, um, I'm, so I'm part of uh, this organization, the Nation of Makers, mm-hmm. and I'm the delegate for the state of Arkansas. So uh, what we do is help to develop policy and practices that support not only maker education, but, uh, you know, as executive director with the Innovation Hub and with my background, I work with a lot of uh, startup organizations and entrepreneurship and do, uh, I used to do a lot of prototyping for people Sure, as they develop product. Mm -hmm. And I'm particularly in love with uh, something called micro and distributed manufacturing. So we have all over the world now, uh, but particularly in in, uh, in the United States, we've got a group of people who've sort of bloomed out of this maker movement. So we have a lot of incredibly talented makers who haven't typically, like me, haven't typically taken that path to industry. Right. Um, so they're not necessarily certified. They're not necessarily, they haven't necessarily gone to a tech school or a college, but they have incredible skills that fit right into the needs of industry and manufacturing and, and our infrastructure that we're trying to rebuild. So the maker movement is, is about creating and doing yourself and becoming a creator less than a consumer. So we have here in North Arkansas, so we've got an incredible group of people that, that are just creatives and makers and, and artists. And, and so this is a great place to be. But a few years ago, when I was still on this committee through the White House, we got challenged to host a maker summit in our states. Sure. 
So I hosted the first Maker Summit at the Innovation Hub in Little Rock. Mm-hmm. And I invited the Amazium, uh, the Scott Family Amazium, to come down and co-host with us because of the good work that they were doing in Northwest Arkansas. So Sam Dean and Eric Smith, Mindy came down and uh, Mindy Porter. And we hosted an opportunity for educators, makers, industry, and legislators to be in the same room and talk about this incredible energy that was building around the maker movement. Mm-hmm. And, you know, all, all of those nodes very much intersect over making. Sure. You know, industry, you've got to have makers to, to develop ideas, to create new things. Create yeah, new absolutely. things. The educators are, are working with kids that have these talents and they're going to be going down these varied paths of career. You've got legislators who are passing laws that are developing, you know, opportunities for people and, and creating new opportunities. And so, uh, so this, we really wanted it to become a nexus. So that was the first one. It was a few years ago. So we're hosting it again here and we're lucky enough to get Dale Doherty to uh, come. Dale founded, he was uh, one of the co-founders at O'Reilly Media. He founded Make Media, which is Make Magazine mm-hmm. and Make Online. And he founded Maker Fair. If you guys don't know what Maker Fair is, just Google Maker Fair. It'll blow your mind. <laughs> we'll put that in the show notes oh, for yeah. sure. Yeah. yeah. And Dale just does this incredible work. So if you if you Google Dale Doherty, one of the things that, you know how Google always does that, people have also searched for Right, it. right. And it's who started the maker movement in Dale Doherty. He's, you know, it's him. Just, it's, he's, and he's the greatest guy. He's the nicest guy in the world. So we're really lucky to have him come and speak. And I invite everybody out to, to sort of get inspired. Is but this a one-day event? It's a, it's a one-day event. Okay. It's on the 30th. On the 30th of January. January. 30th. Uh, is it every um, year? We're, it's not every year. It's not every year. Uh, but okay. it may become every year. Yeah. You know. Why not? When the energy's there, we're Is on. it open to the public or is it's, it? Uh, there is a ticket. Okay. Um, All it's, right. it, but if you, uh, if you go to the Amazing website, you can register. Okay. Uh, and I absolutely, if you're, if you're uh, in industry, if you're in legislation, city development, community development, if you're a maker, if you're an educator, if you know, then you, you should be in the room. What about um, a podcaster? And if you're a podcaster, you're a maker, man. <laughs> you're making podcasts. You're absolutely, making, absolutely. You are creating a product. Yes, absolutely. Uh, but yeah, I mean, we're we're at a really interesting point in the world. I mean, we've we're in a way we've we've hit this continuity of digital and physical. Yeah. You know, I mean, we're we're using 3D printers to make things that we're designing in a computer that become a real object. And I used my first 3D printer 27 years ago, you know, and now I've got three in my house. It comes so far. It's, and they it's do amazing. so much. It's, it's crazy. Amazing. Yeah. I've got, I mean, and I mean, here at the museum, we've got 3D printers. We've got CNC machines that are, you know, we're designing and using them to cut things out. We've got CNC mills. We've got laser cutter engravers, just on and on. And those are things that, you know, I want to teach kids. It's, it's, we kind of make the mistake of, of telling kids, you know, you should, you should go into industry or you should learn a trade, Yeah, but kids don't necessarily want to hear that. So what I, what I like to say instead is how would you like to run a giant robot that can make anything you can imagine? Yeah. And that's what our industry really is, right? Yeah. It's so, so we want to get people inspired. We want to show them how all of those crazy paths connect and it's around making. Yeah. And I think part of that is just, cause I know, you know, I'm a big proponent of, 
engaging and giving kids an opportunity to learn more about the trades period. Mm-hmm. You know, I know one of the things that when I first came here, one of my friends that does a lot of property development, you know, he was like, man, I, I would just kill for a master carpenter right now. Yeah. You know, I just, I have so much work. If I could just find one or two reliable master carpenters. Well, I'm and, a union certified master carpenter. Oh, well, there you Should go. I, I need, I need to, I'll, I'll make that connection, but you're, <laughs> no, you, you've I'm got a lot on your plate. Yeah, you've got a lot, a lot on your plate, but I mean, I just think it's, it's just important that everything doesn't have to traditionally be about like traditional school and traditional business and yeah. I mean, there are a lot of other ways for you to impact society. And I, I think that what you're doing and the eyes that you're opening up through your work is tremendous. And, and, I, and I hope that you continue to get the support that you need and the platform that would be necessary to create greater awareness. Yeah. It's, yeah. And it's happening here. It's, it's you know, uh, a lot of people, they don't realize that they come into the amazing and they go, wow, this is really cute for kids. Mm-hmm. That's our foundation. You know, that's, that's where it starts. And there's nothing more critical in an ecosystem. So, you know, having a, a facility like this where this sort of work is happening and, uh, you know, having the thought leaders that are in this region yeah. that are incredibly supportive. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm just, I'm just a guy. I'm not an executive director anymore. I'm just, I'm trying to enjoy life. And, but it's, it's amazing that I'm living in a place where people just call out of the blue and go, well, you know, you've got the expertise. Can we ask you to help us with this? Right. And it's not a what's in it for me situation. It's a, you know, it's, it's really about the community and, you know, the, there's a real, there is a real all ships rise attitude here mm-hmm. that I so dig. It's just been great. Oh, I love it. That's one of my favorite quotes. So, you know, rising tide lifts all ships and, and uh, it couldn't be more true than what you guys are doing right here. So no, I know. appreciate that. Yeah, no, I appreciate you. So listen, before we close, you've been up here a couple of years. And as you said, when you were younger, you spent some time up here doing a lot of things. Mm-hmm. What do you like to do in your off time here in Northwest Arkansas? I don't have any off time. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, I, uh, yeah, you know, it's crazy. The, uh, you know, when I first moved up here, I just had a little tiny apartment mm-hmm. and it was right off of seventh mm-hmm. and I could, it was insane. It reminded me of, of, uh, living in Brooklyn or Chicago again where I could just walk out of my apartment and go a couple of blocks and go to a really cool restaurant bar. Right. So I became a, a denizen at Peddler's Pub. Okay. It's just, it's this great spot. Yeah, I know it. And uh, then, you know, do a few more blocks or hop on my bike and go down to the square and, and just walk. It's, it is totally Mayberry sometimes. I'm yeah. just going to say it when you can just walk around on the street and just see people, you know, and say hi. And then it's uh, it's completely San Francisco at night when you're or Austin. Maybe that's a better example. It's it's kind of an Austin evening when people are in these incredible restaurants and there's amazing food. Yeah, I mean we we've, we've got uh, just in the square. There's there's at least one restaurant I still haven't tried. Yeah, uh, Table Mesa is a great Table place Mesa's to go. Very good. Oh yeah. man. But then you got uh, the A Street Market. Oh yeah, we don't want to yeah, start yeah. with it's, that. Oh, it's so yeah, it's, it's so great. Yeah. And then, uh, then you know, I just bought a little little house in Bella Vista. Okay, and I'm up on the hillside. I'm right at the top of the Back Forty Trail. Yeah, and we've got. And when I say Back Forty, folks, I mean it's forty miles of some of the 
most amazing mountain biking trails in anywhere. Anywhere. This is the absolutely the Disneyland of mountain biking. Yeah. And if people don't know it, they need to know it. And then, you know, I love, I still love kayaking. I don't climb anymore because I'm old, Yeah, but, uh, but I still love kayaking and fishing and, you know, so there's that side. Yeah. So it's amazing to live anywhere where it's not like, like San Francisco. If you live in San Francisco, you have all the restaurants and everything and it's nothing to like say, I've got some time off. I'm going to go to Yosemite. You're right. Right. Which yeah. will blow your mind. Exactly. But it feels like that here because, but you don't even have to do the drive. Right. You know, I mean, I can go to work in the morning, go home at night, step out of my door and I've got wildlife and I can like take my bike down to the lake and hop in, you know, I mean, just anything. And but, it's it's all accessible. And even if you did want to drive just even like 20, 25 minutes, you've got Devil's Den, you've got oh, Pea yeah. Ridge, Buffalo um, River, Buffalo River. Uh, if you want to I mean, do some, if you're into uh, a little shopping and just uh, as uh, Eureka, as my wonderful uh, in-laws would say, if you want to go get some tchotchkes, then you can head over to Eureka Springs. Right. You can, I mean, you can do anything here. And and we've got XNA. I mean, if you. That's our if airport you, for those yeah. of you that don't know the, the acronym, but yeah, XNA. Yeah. So you, yeah. you know, you, you go, well, now I got to get out of town. Well, it, it's nothing to get out of town. I you know, know. It's, I. When I go see my brother in Orlando, it's just hop on a plane and I'm in Orlando. It's Can't fantastic. Beat it. Can't beat it. So. No, it's, it's, I, yeah. So I plan on retiring here. So there you go. Uh, well, and, and my wife's going to hear this podcast and go, really? All right. <laughs> well, I'm glad you said that because, you know, the, the thing about being a maker the way that you are and a tinker, you can do that until the cows come home. So that's you my know. plan. Yeah. We'll see how so, that works out. Yeah. But yeah, that's my plan. So if anybody listening to this podcast says, you know, this Joel guy's amazing. I need to be able to connect with him. What's the easiest way for people to reach out to you? Man, email me. Okay. All right. Yeah. Perfect. I mean, we'll put, I'm that always, we'll put that in the show yeah, notes. So yeah, yeah I'm all, yeah. I'm always up for it. Uh, which, um, what is your email? Joel? Uh, here at the, at the amazing, it's Jay Gordon, J G O R D O N at, I'm asking for trouble with this at amazium.org. Okay. But it's, you know, talking about the, the things that I love and, and did for years, I'm, uh, I'm on advisory council for two emerging companies that are coming out of university of Arkansas. Okay. I'm working with, uh, one company called Ambots. If you don't know who they are, look them up. It's amazing. Okay. I'm just going to say it's 3D printing and robots. Okay. Uh, it's, you know, what now, else could you do? Were these kids in the Sam Walton School of Business or? Uh, this, they're out of the uh, emerging. Emerging. Uh, yeah. Okay. So uh, they're doing incredible stuff. I mean, cutting edge. And then I'm working with a young man named Cannon Reeves who will actually be at uh, Maker Summit. And he's got a company called Mortech. And anyone who's out there who's looking for something to invest in, and I mean this, <laughs> they are going to be the next Lego. Really? I absolutely believe that. Okay. They're, okay. The product that they're creating, and they're using, uh, you know, I told you I'm in love with this idea of micromanufacturing. Right. So not only do we have this incredible lifestyle and these great restaurants and the nature and all this, but we have you know, innovation labs at Walmart. We've got University of Arkansas and uh, these uh, incredible, the McMillan School of Innovation. We've got all of these things that are happening and incredible ideas that are just emerging. We have startup companies happening. There's amazing entrepreneurship. All of our big three are investing in small companies that 
you know, are going to change the world. It's, this is a, I mean, for me, for anybody, this is the place to be. Yeah. I told somebody a while back, I said this, and, and I lived out in the Bay Area, so I can, I can attest to this, but it, this feels like, and I wasn't there back at that time, but like what Silicon Valley was probably like in the 60s and 70s. Uh, yeah, was just, I, I you know, would think so. There was just that, you know, for whatever reason, something's happening. You know, there's energy. There. Yeah, you know, there's there is. Energy. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and nice people. You yes. know, that's because that's the other thing, you know, that that's that's the real reason I'm here. Yeah, because I because I could do this anywhere, but I've and I've done it in other places. Yeah, but and that I mean, that two years that I spent consulting, uh, it was great. I made money and I had great clients, but I didn't enjoy my life. Yeah. And I come here and and I I am enveloped in the beautiful, creamy chocolatey nougat of the amazium <laughs> and these incredible kids that I get to see every day. Yeah. And I still get to, you know, go and do grown up things and be around in incredibly intelligent people. And I love surrounding myself with smart people Yeah, and yeah. kind people. It's just, it's a great place. Yeah. I think the quality of life is, is on, uh, you know, at the top end of the spectrum for sure. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. Well, man, Joel, this has been great. I cannot, I mean, your, your energy is infectious and I'm glad that I reached out to you and thank you so much for, oh, this is for, fun. Man. Yeah. For joining me on this podcast today. It's a little longer than normal, but I think you shared so much that, that our listening audience is always looking for to learn more about NWA. So thank you so much again for being thanks on for, the show. Thanks for inviting me. Absolutely. It was so nice of you. Absolutely. So folks, there you have it. Joel Gordon, making and tinkering manager at the Scott's Family Amazium. You can check him out at jgordonatamazium.org. You can check out the Amazium website at amazium.org. And just, you need to come down here. If you live here in Northwest Arkansas, please come visit. Please mention that you heard about it through uh, this podcast and through hearing about all the wonderful things that Joel and his team are doing. And certainly we want to encourage you to come here and check it out. If you're coming to visit Northwest Arkansas, when you make time or if you make time to visit Crystal Bridges, and I don't see why you wouldn't do that. You need to stop in and visit the Scott's Family Amazing, even if you don't have kids, because the, if you're a kid at heart, this place, you will absolutely enjoy it. So I really want to encourage you to do that. Thank you so much. And I appreciate everybody that listens to this podcast on a regular basis. Please feel free to share it with a friend. We would love it if you could provide a review. If you listen to it on, on Apple Podcasts, we'd love a five-star review. Let us know what you think about the podcast, what it does for you, how you when you like to listen to it and what episodes really resonate with you, your voice matters to us. And we want to continue to bring you all of the great things that Northwest Arkansas has to offer like Joel. And so we really appreciate our audience and we thank you so much. And remember, we come out every Monday at noon. So that's all we have for this week, but we will see you with another episode next week. Bye for now. We hope you enjoyed this episode of I Am Northwest Arkansas. Check us out each and every week, available anywhere that great podcasts can be found. For show notes or more information on becoming a guest, visit IamNorthwestArkansas.com. We'll see you next week on I Am Northwest Arkansas.